Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. I'm still smarting from Saturday's game, but I've been working with Jason Peters' anger management counselor, and I'm feeling much better now. And I'm also with Mac. Hey, Redcasters, happy to report some winning this weekend. The Rims and St. Mary's Hawks won their playoff game this last weekend, taking down the number one state in the or number one team in the state, advancing to the semifinals this week. Go Hawks. Mac, always good for some Iowa prep football updates. Thanks, Eight man prep football. And, Holla. <laughs> that's right. And Boomer. I just want the uh, Redcasters to not worry. I have my uh, Diaco to English phrase book on order from Amazon, so we should be able to uh, make some sense of this soon enough. <laughs> well, that's a relief. Uh, well, guys, uh, we watched a football game there on Saturday, home game against uh, Northwestern Wildcats. Felt like uh, at points we had uh, the game in hand a, a little bit there in the third quarter, things that turned our way. But uh, yet we find a way to lose again. Huskers are now 4-5 and five on the season and are going to be struggling for bowl eligibility uh, here going on forward for the next uh, three games. Uh, Honky, what did you see out there? Were you at the game? Yeah, I was at the game there. Had some really good seats actually this week. Uh, well, you'd probably you know, just be was... able to walk down to whatever seat you wanted pretty much, huh? <laughs> There were well, there were quite a few open seats there. Uh, that's that's probably one of the problems that uh, athletic director Moose is going to have to address here. Uh, the game itself, it's a bit of a microcosm of the entire season. I mean, it's from a passing perspective. This we were going against a team that was ranked a hundredth and something in, in pass defense, and and what we get two hundred and thirty-two yards on them and end up with three picks. And it's not one guy's fault. I'm not going to sit here and pilot on Tanner Lee it's the same thing I would have said in week one or two or three or four it's a comedy of errors and there's a bit of blame that can go across all the area but it's definitely a game where we could have put them away at a certain point and and we didn't and on the the defensive side I'll tell you what and Boomer I know you were at the game I think you really saw it in person you probably saw it on TV but holy smokes Northwestern if if that QB could have hit about five or ten passes that he sailed over people's heads that that game could have been different on their end too so oh yeah we were actually a little bit lucky between the terrible passing on his part and then i never really understood why he didn't keep more of those zone read options when he had the opportunity i mean our defense was totally selling out to the running back on it and i just kept waiting for him to hang on to a few of those and they could have blown that game open a lot more than they did it was a really weirdly coached game i think by both uh both coaching staff there There were a lot of questionable decisions a lot of things i didn't really understand but that's been 2017. Well, Pat for Fitzgerald you. was nothing but complimentary of uh, Coach Riley after the game, so maybe that makes sense. There, well, yeah. at the safe way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Mac, did you uh, watch the game? Yeah, I did have the pleasure of watching that game. It was great. Uh, it's kind of like exactly what Honky said. It's just a perfect microcosm of the whole season. We're, we're doing what we do best, which is throw it a bunch of times, and it still isn't enough to score any points. You know, it's it's. It's getting to be. Yeah. We're showing our hands. This is this is what we look like. This is this is our best. Our offense is going to look. I mean, if we're not going to grow, I, like if we were to get better now, I would be blown away. I just would be yeah. shocked if we were to progressively get better. I haven't seen any indication of this team throughout the entire year getting better. 
at any phase of the game, short of punting, and because uh, we've had so much practice, uh, and then I guess pick six return, we should be pretty good at that. So I don't know, man. The, the, there's not much left to say about this. Individual efforts is what we're going to have to be looking for as far as I'm concerned. I hear you. I, I hear you. All right, guys, let's uh, go ahead and head right into our scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. Offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion time, guys. Uh, and, Mac, you just alluded to it. Uh, scoring explosion, it was not. I think we had, what, 17 offensive points against Northwestern, right? Because we had the pick six ourselves by by newbie. And uh, that's that's pretty poor uh, performance. And it seems like the red zone is, is really where this team really struggles to do anything, uh, settling for field goals or, or turning the ball over. Um and it's not not going to get better this year. Is there something to, to talk about with just the the Riley, you know, offensive philosophy in general with Langsdorf? Maybe a pro mentality of some sort where they just are in love with plays in some ways, and they just are are thinking about what the defense is giving them, opposed to actually knowing what their uh, team, their offensive team, can actually do themselves. Any any on that guys hockey yeah i don't know if that's kind of a, a west coast mentality from from the get-go I, I i it harkens back a bit to like callahan i remember his first year here sure we lose to iowa state and after that game got done you know, we, joe daly threw it some ungodly amount of times and and we get done with the game and and callahan said in in film preparation for the Cyclones, we recognized that they had deficiencies in their defensive backfield. And I have no doubt that there were. There were probably plenty of them. However, we did there not have the team. There's deficiencies across the board <laughs> at Iowa State. It's the Cyclones point. defense, right? But, however, we had deficiencies that could not take advantage of those deficiencies, so you don't, you don't do that, right? I mean, you don't go out and throw it 50 times if you have a team that's not built to do that. And we did that back in 04. And I just feel... It, there's so many times right now, and they've the only difference now is this isn't 04 and it's not 2015. This is year three of this offense. And, you know, we may talk about this at some point in the show about excuses, um, but I'm, I'm done with excuses. And this is year three of this offense. It's year three of this offensive line with this offensive line coach. It's year three with these running backs with this running back coach. It's year three of wide receivers with this wide receivers coach. It, yes, it is year one for this one quarterback. But it also, don't forget, um, it is a quarterback that uh, a few months ago we were being told had a chance to go in the first round of the, the draft this year. So, you know. And he was also with the team last yes, year, too. Yeah, this isn't. You know, right. He was, he was this isn't Jake Rudock, you know, making a switch from Iowa and playing at Michigan right away in year one of, of Harbaugh and, and, you know, looking competent in that, that offense. I mean, this is, this is year three of an offense. And I'm just, we've, we've run into this a little bit. And, Boomer, you, you're, you do a lot of the social media with me. We've run into a number of people responding to us about you know excuses and 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 fault and and I'll just got to give them more I'm time, one more a few, year. Yeah, I'm just going to throw a few stats out here. We're one in seven against Northwestern Iowa and Wisconsin so far. Uh, as far as us being young at certain spots, Iowa has two freshman offensive tackles last weekend starting against uh, Ohio State, and I think they did okay. Wisconsin goes through defensive coordinators every single year, and they have injuries all the time, and now they have a couple more starters injured this week against Iowa, and I'm sure they'll do fine. Michigan State has nine of their top 15 tacklers or freshmen or sophomores. I mean, we can go down the list. We're not the only ones that have youth. 
We're not the only ones that have made changes at coordinators or head coaches. We're not the only ones. And yet, we expect to see more than what we're seeing against the Northern Illinois. Or, Dave, you and I, we've gone to 120 minutes of of watching Ohio State games the last two years, and we haven't seen a minute of competitive football. That's ridiculous. Well, and then, so like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up now, and I'll let, I'll let you guys speak. But, I mean, I, mean, I always think about it, too, like on. this, Matt. If, if the offense is this complicated or, or the learning curve is, is so sharp or so steep, with the limitations that you're always going to have in college football in terms of eligibility running out and having to turn over players, does it make a lot of sense to run an offense that takes that long to learn Every year, I mean, it no. seems like you're kind of waiting for this perpetuating cycle where, okay, now you have enough guys in the system that they're teaching those guys. But that doesn't seem to be happening. I mean, the offensive line hasn't gotten any better, and they've had the same old line coach this whole time. You know, so th- it's not like it, yeah, offensive line nobody's is... getting any better. We haven't improved throughout the season in any respect. I would argue Tanner Lee's battling, but, uh, you know, it's not enough. So, so. Is it worth even trying to run this offense? I mean, if we can't, if this is the best it can look, well, that's that's a great great point, Mac. Offensive line and and, and the tight ends should be included in this too with the whole For blocking. Because sure. I mean, like if you do follow the Huskers on Twitter, I mean, you know, not only Honky has done this where he's break, broken down plays, but other people do this. And I think there was an example this week or last week where I mean, we just like whiff on on guys. We completely uh, miss our assignments on on uh, D-tackle switching or blitzing or whatever. And it's just like, wow, what are these guys looking for and getting taught? And are they that confused on what they're supposed to do that they literally just let guys straight into the backfield? And it's like, wow. That's yeah, just, that seems, it seems you're kind three. of unforgivable. And it's certainly head-scratching, you know. But, but it has been like the reality for Cavs' whole coaching career here. Uh, it, I'm sorry. It's been disappointing, and I feel like we've got bodies there that should be able to play. I, I just don't understand the struggles that we're having on offense this year. I mean, if it was just the running game because of, of personnel, that'd be one thing, but you can tell it's so systemic. It has nothing to do with one guy being hurt. If that was the case, that'd be wonderful. There'd be hope, you know, but but it's it's the, yeah. it's the tight ends aren't getting the execution down. It's, it's the the shuffling of the linemen because we can't seem to find an alignment that we like. It's the backs not hitting the holes hard enough. It's all sorts of things. And it's like, we are too far down this road to be looking this bad at running. I mean, my goodness. I mean, we... Yeah. It's an offensive coordinator in, in game 36 or 37 of his of his tenure here who's you know throwing that ball on first down at the 19-yard right. line when we're up by seven. And we literally need to just get up by two possessions. And anyone that would have listened to Sam McEwen earlier today on, on the bottom line on, on uh, Michael Severe's uh, show, McEwen went off on it. And, and, and it's, it's right. I mean, it, it's the same thing that, that Seattle Seahawks fans would have yelled about a couple years ago in the Super Bowl, not giving it to Lynch. And it's what Atlanta Falcons fans would have said you know, last year in the Super Bowl as well, when you could just run the clock and run the ball and – Get a field goal and get up two possessions, but we're not even doing that. We're not even playing a pro-style game. In the last week, you know, uh, I joked at the beginning here about Jason Peter, and, uh, you know, he, he kind of had his uh, little anger management moment there, but the reality is <laughs> he, he doesn't always say things, uh, you know, with a, a lot of the couth or whatever, you know, the, the, that uh, maybe, maybe you'd like to hear it with, but a lot of what he said is true. I mean, it's, 
this goes to the fault side of it and we hear so there's so much fault thrown out there oh my gosh it's the media and by the way you fans you guys need to stop being whatever it is you're being you're just being mean you're 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 being, stop too being rough fans on the stop it fans <laughs> yeah you but, guys are being but, rough but before we go too far down that road before we go too far down that road I, i've never really heard any of the coaches say this stuff ever correct it, yeah i mean yeah, is that true. fair to that's say fair. I've never heard the coaches say the fans are have unrealistic expectations, or any of the players for that matter. That's either. fair. I've heard I've heard a vision of fans and some fans calling out other fans, saying, you know, making excuses for the staff, but the staff itself isn't making excuses. That's very true. But I agree that the excuses that exist out there are BS. So, well, Mac, but I just want to make sure we were clear on that. You're right. You are right, yeah, Mac. And by fair. the way, you're you're part of you're part of the fault of one of our excuses, Mac, because you left Nebraska. And by moving out of here, you've heard our population. Have you heard that we don't have a lot of people in Nebraska, and that's why <laughs> that's why we have one of the least starred senior classes? Have you heard that, Mac? Mm-hmm. Right. We I had so many that. more people back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That was the big thing. <laughs> then just that athletic drain happened around 2000. It's just, yeah. you know, it was shocking. The, the only thing I've heard anything out of any of the staff, and Mike even the, Boomer alluded to it at the beginning, kind of with Diaco's crazy statement. Oh, I, but, yeah, Diaco's a different story. I should, okay. Yeah, Diaco is. Who knows what that guy says, though? He could have been, I don't know. He's so shifty. And well, and, and because <laughs> we were going to record last night, and because recording now tonight on, on Tuesday night, we got to listen to Diaco's press conference today, and, and oh my gosh, the soap opera that is Nebraska football. Now it's now, the one time where someone on our staff probably did blame something is Diaco blaming our tackling on last year, and now that's now we've had questions get sent to Mark Banker, who's responding, and and we have a you know we have a a back and forth now between defensive coordinators at Nebraska over the last year or two that <laughs> is just Too you know we're one guy saying that's that's. Well, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll have plenty of time to talk this out. Well, they'll tell us how unreasonable so, we are know. as fans for yeah. not liking how they don't tackle people in their defense or how they like how Hail Marys always get completed. Poor run defense yeah. is the hallmark of, of the Riley regime. I mean, if they want to say we're complaining, much. we could show them the stats that we're complaining about. It's pretty reasonable. It hasn't been great defense. Well... Well, that's fair. Let's. That's a great transition. Yeah. Let's uh, head over to the uh, defensive side of the ball with throw the bones. Our the defensive, defensive breakdown. breakdown. All right, guys, we're throwing the bones here, and um, yeah, uh, we gave up a lot of yards to Northwestern, a team that doesn't seem like really should have generated a lot of yards against us. Uh, anything in particular uh, uh, comes to mind on on. What was our performance about there on on Saturday, Hunk? Yeah, that you know they again. This kind of goes to the stats I was saying earlier, where they're a 100 something ranked pass defense, and we didn't throw well against them. Well, they're a 100 and something ranked rush offense, and surprise, they had a nice running day on us. And Justin Jackson went out there and had what 150 yards or something. It was yeah, um, and they had a f- true freshman or freshman that uh. Piled up good yardage too, right? Mm-hmm. And Boomer, you you brought up an excellent point at the beginning too. Thorson, if he keeps a couple of those those QB uh, zone reads as well, I think he had opportunities to get gain some yards too. It's just I struggle on both sides of the ball right now to just say like, what do we do really well? What can we hang our hat on on either side? And 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 what are we getting better at? Like there were points in the season sure. earlier where it felt like, oh my gosh, I think the defense is starting to 
to click here or there, and I don't I I'm at a loss for words. So, is there anybody in particular, like uh, performance wise, worth noting that had you know uh, worthwhile games? Mac Boomer Honk. I still see Ben Steely playing mm-hmm. hard out there, and yeah. I, and I like and I like seeing that. Um, Mohamed Barry still give a pretty good effort. I mean, there's there's flashes of guys like Weber. There's just so many missed tackles, though. You know, and it's I I, I don't understand that. I just don't understand. And at the at the point of contact, we don't seem very physical either. And you know, we can say until we're you know blue in the face about physical practices, fix, physical however. But we're this far in the season, and it's like we have no interest in contact anymore. It, it bugs me, and it's and it's it's getting worse, and we really can't afford that. So, ah, that was a great breakdown, but it makes me sad when I get done with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I we Hunk? we posted something on uh, social media on on Sunday about this, and and it is important to to note that again, we're not ever trying to attack players here, and we have individual efforts that I thought were very good, and Stilly was one of those guys, and Stoltenberg, and. Uh, Weber, newbie, I think had an outstanding game. Newbie did have a good day. I should have seen him play well. Play, period. De- Dedrick Young was right up there. Um, on, on, I don't want to jump back to offense, but because we kind of skipped it, that Spielman yeah. again, love what that kid's doing. It was great to see Reimers make a catch. Great yeah. to see Jack Stoll get a catch in there. So there are there are certainly guys that are they're giving effort, you know. And um, and on the defensive side, I mean, you're seeing that times too, but they're just. Again, it just falls back to I, I struggle to find, like, what can you hang your hat on and say, let's, let's do something well. On defense, you'd hear it back in the day, you know, take away this one thing from the other team. Make them one-dimensional. I, 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 don't even, I don't even know what we would be able to do right now to make a team one-dimensional. We couldn't, we couldn't right. make a poor a Northwestern rush offense one-dimensional. So. Well, that's, that's – uh pretty dire it sounds like boomers or any you know i'm always kind of on you to bring on the bright side of life uh have the special teams maybe <laughs> well you know spielman's you know returning kicks looking okay doing that for the most part you know weren't any great tragedies i don't think in the game we're still not getting I'm sure would like to see one extra field goal yeah at some point yeah in that's the, the big, fourth that's quarter the big, I guess. Uh, failure right there just that one extra kick would have been nice which we didn't get uh Brown, uh, still an aggressive tackler. We like to see that. So I guess if there's yeah, anything exciting, true. he's probably one of the most exciting things in the field anymore, just watching him try to make a play. So we don't have much. He's moved right in the second yeah. spot of uh, all time for field goals made. Is that I right? I believe so. Passed yeah. his brother, I think, during the game. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, these, are, these are dark days, Dave. You know. Yeah, it feels that way. All right, guys, anything else uh, on, uh, on the defensive breakdown? Other than Diaco's Taking... insanity, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Basically, all I do with him anymore is hey, I... you can't. I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't even justify Diaco's explanations because they're they're not. They don't just like watching sense, so. old Ultimate Which Warrior guys... promos. Is basically how I'm how I'm prepping to watch those. So that's about all. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of you guys were talking about making T-shirt with logos with with his phrases? You know how oh, big of a T-shirt cool. that would have to be. Me, but I think yeah. it's a good idea. Well, I but there's well we could do a oh, series. Can you see the strain? <laughs> Yeah, you know. Uh. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I wasn't aware I was having to talk to the media or, you know, however. You, There's a reason why he didn't want to talk to the media. He's not good at it. <laughs> oh, he's great at it. It's it's hilarious. 
I love how all the Yukon videos are starting to creep up from his oh, past. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, Nebraska fans, you're going to love this. <laughs> He's uh, been doing it like this for years. I'm glad we did that's no research on this man. That's that's the best part Oh, I did. Yeah. But I thought, well, hey, his defense coordinator won't be so bad, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it would be more successful. I think maybe maybe let's finish on that note with a question, I guess. And I think I saw it somewhere else. Is, uh, you know, Riley obviously made a change on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, to to make a, a difference this year, right? Trading in longtime friend Mark Banker for Bob Diaco. Yet now you're hearing it sounds like Bob Diaco saying, well, you know, you can't expect more from these guys. They're only this far into the process of, you know, adapting to my 3-4 defense. Um, did Diaco sell Riley a bill of goods he's not delivering on now? Or did Riley think that, it would be good enough to, you know, get to year four and year five. Or I mean, it seems like it was obvious that Riley would have hired Diaco for immediate improvement, especially on run defense, and we haven't seen it. So, what what, what do you think missed in translation from the hiring to the execution of of the Diaco defense? Initially thinking it's going to have an immediate impact, and now reality saying it'll take you know a year or more to implement. I I think the. I think the the bill of goods being sold might be the other way around, Dave. I think that that Riley may have sold Diaco bill of goods on what our offense was going to be this year. And I think that they thought that the offense was going to be further along in year three with this quarterback that they really like. And I I think that they weren't going to be probably putting him as, as much stress. They didn't think it would be as much stress strain. On, on that defense. He didn't expect that all strain. the strain on his defense. That strain that was put on the defense, some of that's because the offense has thrown pick sixes, has put them in bad positions, and, and I think that they thought coming into the season, I've got to think this, just from everything from what Billy Devaney talked about, from what we were just being told time and again, the fact that no coaches on the offense were ever affected in any of the uh, offseason changes, I just think that sure. they thought the offense would be a lot further along than it was. It hasn't been. It's put the defense in some rough spots, and the defense simply isn't there. And I think I think Diaco, to be honest with you, I think he's frustrated right now. And sure. and trying like when he said some of those bizarre things there, I think he was, I I think he was catching himself in mid thought. I think he was trying to not just throw, trying to avoid throwing people under throwing the bus, people under yeah. the buses and all those things. But what ends up coming out of it was a bunch of garbly gook that you couldn't, you can't understand what he's saying. It sounds like me half the time. Is what it it's better than what he like. probably wanted to say, which was probably would have been detrimental to the, you know, team chemistry, et cetera. If you were saying, you know, gee, if our offense would have, you know, put us in better positions, I, my defense could could hold up better. That's interesting. It's an interesting thought. I think Chris Jones going down early too was kind of a problem for them because I thought I thought he immediately started the season off playing scared with the secondary, and it and it felt like it took a long time for us to kind of develop. Any kind of trust in that back seven, and you know that's not to make excuses or anything like that. But that was a that was a pivotal a pivotal moment, I think, in the season. Well, what do you think about Kalu going to safety? I mean, it feels like that's probably a mistake. Well, and too, that, though, well, right? that that all factors into it. So yeah, Kalu gets moved to safety, and then maybe you start thinking about moving him back to corner. But then Kalu gets hurt, and then you're thin at safety, and in you're thin at corner, and then you've got Lamar Jackson, this four star who refuses to play at a three star level. Um, you know, mixed with an Eric Lee guy who is also a four-star guy, but who has never played much before. So, you're, I, 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 there are reasons. Okay, there are reasons why we haven't played great on defense, but there are also there are also expectations that haven't been met that I think are fair. You know, like 
okay, yes, we aren't maybe going to be the best in the Big Ten right this year because of personnel, but we're not even competing, you know, with the guys that we have because we're playing bad football. We're not tackling well. That's not no, that's totally, not yeah. that's not talent. You're there if you're, you know, and you're just not tackling. You're not finishing plays. So that's yeah. the more alarming and part I mean, for me. And on both sides of the ball, there's a there's a game plan element of this too, right? We can just we can look at what happened at I in Iowa City this weekend, right? Iowa throttles Ohio State, and a lot of that just had to have been a really good game plan, and the players coming out and bl- playing like they believe they could win. And on both sides of the ball, they picked JT Barrett off four times. The offense clicks, five touchdowns by Stanley. Um, there's no explanation from a talent level that they should have been able to do that. Um, it had to be some a bit of, of, of game plan and instilling a belief in winning. Honky? Well, you know, I think along those lines, there's also something to be said about using the Iowa example. They've proven to be a really difficult team to beat now in, in Kinnick Stadium. A year ago, they've done it to, they did it to Michigan. It took until the last second yeah. of the game for Penn State to beat them, and now they've throttled Ohio State. Nebraska, conversely, we, we went undefeated last year against kind of a, you know, the not a great home schedule. But this year, we have now guaranteed that we have a losing record at home. That this loss this week guarantees that even if we beat Iowa, we're going to go three and four at home. We're going to have a losing record. Um, we've played games where we've lost, you know, to Northern Illinois. And we've, again, you know, to, to rehash the this the Ohio State game, we weren't even competitive. Memorial Stadium has, has lost the luster of what it, it once was. Now, it can be regained quickly. Don't get me wrong. But... Right now, yeah. people aren't coming in to hear. Uh, they're and not we've lost more the games stadium. this year at home than we probably lost over a decade back in the, the late '80s and early '90s. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Like, two two years ago, we're playing a night game against top ten Michigan State with this staff, you know, in place, and we're beating them. I, I mean, at, at the very least, it was that was what started giving you hope into that first yeah, off season. I was and, at that game. It was yeah. it was fun. It's always about hope. You want to give people hope and. And, you know, coming into this season, I'll just give two examples. Um, the way they talked about Lee, and Lee's going to go first round in the draft. I mean, that was something that the, you know, the Billy Devaney's, they, they, they more than pushed hope. That was hype, probably. Um, on the defensive side, Kalu moving to safety. If you remember, Diaco talked about him being, he's the best safety in the country. Well, he hadn't even played a game yet at safety. But that's, that's what's being pushed to fans prior to the yeah. season even starting. So, I'm not going to call that hope. That's hype, and that built the hopes of the fans up. And when they're not seeing that, yeah, you know, I mean, they're going to start to respond. Not unfairly, I don't think. They're just going to respond naturally. Your number one, Husker fans. Auto Owners Insurance and Odepal Insurance is a winning combination. We'll work with you to insure your home, auto, business, and life to keep everything you value safe, sound, and secure. Auto Owners Insurance, the no-problem people. Call Odepal Insurance in York, Nebraska at 402 402- 362-3380 and tell Alan the Redcast sent you. All right, Redcasters. Uh, last week we did a, a trivia poll uh, sponsored by Alan Odepal Insurance. And it was, if you were a recruit, what would be the most important factor in your decision? And if uh, one of these uh, options weren't there, you could also let us know your opinion. Uh, with the, the most votes that we've had of any poll yet, 764 Uh, 29% of people said that playing time and scheme would be the most important thing for them as a recruit. Relationships with coaches, that would be 28%. 23% would have been winning championships, and 20% was tradition or the school. And a few other options that came in from people that we didn't have listed were education, the location of the, the school, 
and getting to the league, getting to the NFL. So that was kind of a that was a fun poll out there. Uh, Boomer, this week we have uh, some new polls out there, and, and you've got kind of got a little uh, a fun contest going with it this week. Well, that's right, Honky. It's uh, as we should all know, it's a uh, five dollar bits of broken chair week, the uh, classic rivalry between Nebraska and Minnesota. And it really is the uh, greatest the trophy, trophy in the Big game Ten. Out there, right? Yeah, it really is. And it's really the greatest Absolutely. trophy in the Big Ten, uh, a conference that has a big history of trophies. Uh, so we're asking the question, what's the second best trophy in the conference? Uh, there's been so many, so we've decided to break it up into uh, two different polls. And we're going to take the top four vote-getters out of those two polls, and they'll face off in a final poll. So if you check our Twitter feed, we've still got about a day left on the current polls. Uh, right now, we've got the uh, the Elibuck, the Old Oaken Bucket, the Old Brass Spittoon, and Paul Bunyan's Axe in uh, one bracket. And the other one is Floyd of Rosedale, the Purdue Cannon, Paul Bunyan Trophy, and the Little Brown Jug in the other. So the top four vote-getters will go on to face off for the prestigious number two trophy in the Big Ten. That is... Uh some some difficult choices to be made there. That's, that's a lot of good trophy games to, to choose from. Uh, Boomer, do you have your personal favorites? Uh, I'd, I'd hate to prejudice the uh, the vote tally at this point, so oh, we're going to let that course, finish running for a day or two. I, I do have my favorites. Next week, I want to hear your, your personal favorites. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, once we get the finals thing. in, we'll, we'll have a personal favorite. And uh, speaking of trophy games, I do have a uh, trivia question that relates to this. Trivia time. Yeah. So Nebraska does have, we know, the $5 bits of broken chair. However, we have in the past had uh, other trophy games as well. So uh, what I'm asking you is how many games past and present do we currently or have played for a trophy for more than a single season? Okay. Well, obviously Nebraska-Missouri is an easy one, right? Yeah, played for the bell. Victory bell. And I'm not going to look on my Wikipedia page that I brought up because I wanted to talk more about college football trophy games in general because I'd be cheating, but uh, I'm sure... Very honorable, there. Dave. We, we do oh, have an honor code here at the Go Big Redcast. Thank so, you. Yeah. Yes, yes. No cheating. I, I want to say, I think there was some kind of trophy, I think, with Oklahoma. I don't know what it was, but I think we did do something for a while with them. I don't think so. I can't think of that. And... What about Iowa State? Iowa State, I don't know if this was us, but somebody did like a telephone (laughs) with Iowa State. I don't think it was us. Yeah, it's the telephone. Was that us? That is Iowa State. I'll guarantee it. Yeah. Was it? I think so. There's, mm, boy, I feel like that's that's us. I'm going to, that's worth worth saying. Kansas? We have anything for Kansas? Ah, boy. I doubt we had anything with K-State because that was, feels like we would have had something with KU. Any other? Uh, yeah, I don't know. If there was any of the the old rivalries that were kind of non-conference, Minnesota would have been it, and we didn't have one. I feel like anyway. Yeah, I don't know, Boomer. Mac, you got any thoughts on this? No, not much of a trophy. I was trying to remember my PlayStation days when I would win trophies, but <laughs> was there one with a pig, or was that a completely different? No, that's Floyd of Rosedale. That's Minnesota and Iowa. That doesn't Iowa. make any sense. I would have never won that in the PlayStation. I'd have never picked those two teams, ever. <laughs> we might have had something with Colorado, like they had a bowl, but it, in Colorado, I know they do things with bowls there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> all right, I don't have ideas, Boom. I got Iowa trophy. State and maybe Oklahoma and Missouri. All right, good guesses all around. <laughs> I'm sure, there's um, more. You know, Minnesota, of course. Uh, we currently have trophy games with Iowa and Wisconsin, but nobody cares about those because the Heroes and Freedom right. corporate sponsored 
trademark bowl trophies, whatever those are. We, we've never Malarkey. noticed. Uh, Missouri was correct. We played for the Victory Bell. Uh, the telephone you're thinking of with Iowa State was Iowa State, Missouri. That's who played for that. So the, the telephone. And we did actually have a trophy with uh, Colorado for about a decade from 1951 to 1961. It was a Mr. Chip, a mounted buffalo head, which we used to trade back and forth <laughs> until Colorado conveniently. And why that yeah, stop? Colorado conveniently lost it in uh, somewhere between 1961 and 62 when Nebraska <laughs> won it again, and they, they suddenly couldn't find it to give back to us. So did it look like a pig? That trophy's probably of? in a fraternity house somewhere in Boulder. We could bring that back. We probably for should next year's actually. Game, this would be right? the time to get it started. Since oh we, hey, we are, Redcast gets results. We do. Yeah. Do we just need to like yeah. recreate Let's it? I guess. Bring back they, the Mister like Chips. Matt, just put it on the yeah, put it on the Twitter done. feed, Matt. Huh? Just put it out there. Just get that. Get the. Uh, absolutely. Plant the seed now. Yeah, I'll let started. Boomer do that. Bo- Boomer's great with the trivia or with the uh, you know the the trophy We're stuff. We're gonna play so. him four times in six years, right? I mean. Oh, man, we've got to beat those guys. All right, anything else? No, those are the ones I've been able to identify. Really? Wow. Nicely done, Boomer. Yeah, well, uh, that's why the Bits of Broken Chair trophy is so cherished by the Nebraska fan base, right? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, our, our, our special little thing we have now. Well, what else do we have to play for this season? So, yeah, let's embrace fun where you can, Hopefully it doesn't become the most important trophy that we play for all the time because, you know, we'll be joining Minnesota in the, the you know, has-been section of college football history. So let's hopefully avoid that. But uh, at least this year we have a little bit of fun. You know, there is a – I mean, college football trophies are – there's some, some really interesting bowl, uh, bowl games or, or trophy games out there. Uh, I get a kick out of some of these, you know. I mean, I think there's some, some pretty – pretty unique ones uh let's see what i got oh the uh, uh keg of nails louisville cincinnati i think that's a that's a classic one uh you've got uh things like the uh the silver spade between utep and new mexico state the bronze stalk from ball state in northern illinois that's that's nice uh guys you have any favorites uh, out there Oh, the Iron Skillet from TCU SMU is always a classic. I always enjoyed that one. That's that is excellent. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah, I lived down in Fort Worth for a while. The Iron Skillet is is, is classic. Yep. Milk Can is what Boise State and Fresno State plays for, the Milk Can. And I also appreciate the uh, the Platypus Trophy. That's another personal favorite. Uh, any idea? Who? Oh, that's yes, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State. You know, it's got feet like a duck but furry, so, you know, it's the perfect mix. So. <laughs> 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 Fresno State and Hawaii play for the Golden Screwdriver. I'm pretty. That like I'm pretty big on drink. the uh, Central Florida Yukon <laughs> thing that they got going right now. Yeah, we can ask Diaco about that. Does oh, he yeah. have any opinions yeah. on the uh, what the was conflict. that? The, uh, oh gosh, it's not the Commonwealth Cup. What was he calling that? The conflict. The civil conflict. That was it. C-O- yeah, the civil conflict trophy. Civil yeah, conflict. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a I don't know some divorce case or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Diaco would be welcome on, Big Ten on a potential Frost staff, so that that'll go over well. A meeting they would have, I'm sure. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't remember which Big Ten teams used to play for the slab of bacon. That, that's a great one. Uh, they lost it somehow. I'm not quite sure how how they would lose a slab of bacon. Well, uh, given enough so time, I think good. that would probably uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I probably need to replace that on occasion. Probably just disintegrate. I don't think it was a real slab of bacon, <laughs> uh, Boomer. I think it was just, yeah. you know. Well, you don't know that, Dave. And that was actually uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Before they played for the Axe, they played for a slab of bacon. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. See? Which makes total sense. Missouri and Oklahoma play for the Tiger Sooner Peace Pipe. Or used to, at least. Uh, there's another trophy game lost. Notre Dame plays for multiple shillelaghs. Yes, they do. Yep. Darn Irish. I have a shillelagh. Mm-hmm. It's official. It's been blessed. <laughs> Oh, they actually found the slab of bacon, Dave. I'm doing a little bit quick bit of research there. Yeah, they lost it somewhere. They lost it in the mid '40s, and then uh, an intern found it in an old storage closet in Camp Randall. So, yeah, it's 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 back. So they 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 have it displayed in the wall. So that's a great story. I bet Mr. Chip is in some storage closet in Boulder somewhere. So he may still turn up with any luck. So. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to say anything, but you know, maybe maybe someone could find it, you know, and we just bring That's it back, true, yeah. right? We just got to put a all points bulletin out for Mr. Chip, and I bet it's going to turn up if we really work on that. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, guys, you know, uh, the Big Ten is is well known for these trophy games, as, as Boomer mentioned in the uh, the, the Twitter polls. Uh, also, recently, have been uh, successful in making the college football playoff, but with Last week's results, Ohio State getting routed by Iowa, and the the committee is not going to soon forget giving up 55 points to an unranked team. And then Penn State losing back-to-back now, losing to Michigan State as well. The Big Ten is in a, a pretty difficult spot here, almost relying on Wisconsin to come through with an undefeated season, and hopefully that is enough to get into the playoff. Or you're really looking for a, a 2007 scenario where it's brilliant, which Armageddon and a, a two-loss Big Ten champ like Penn State or Ohio State could somehow see themselves in the playoff. Guys, you have uh, any thoughts on the Big Ten situation here with the playoffs? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Go Wisconsin. Boomer. Go honky calling in Wisconsin. Do you have Boomer? Do you have a whole lot of faith in Wisconsin? Either a finishing undefeated, or even if they do get into the playoffs, b making any noise. It seems like this week to week they're back just to... living dangerously. First half of every game, they're just kind of either being uncompetitive or just kind of playing lackadaisical. When the... when I was thinking about this question, it kind of made me think of some of our earlier podcasts preseason, uh, or even maybe last spring. I can't remember. And we were, we were talking about how. You know the Nebraska offense could be similar to to Wisconsin's, and that from a recruiting philosophy, if we could be more like Wisconsin, except continue to get some you know higher quality talent at the skill positions, that could be a recipe for success for Nebraska. And I'm like, well, that's that's a good point, but Wisconsin's never even you know you know made the playoff or or came close to competing for a national title with this recipe, is that really what you want to you know, uh, be a, a facsimile of? And uh, that, this is the chest, right? If they go 12-0 and 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 then go into the Big Ten championship game and get to 13-0 and they get left out, uh, in the Big Ten West, we've, we've often said Nebraska just needs to, if you can win the Big Ten West and potentially go undefeated, you're going to get in the playoff. And here's a situation where Wisconsin may not, I mean, I get there. Yeah, I think the challenge that Wisconsin has and has had for the last few years with playoffs and everything is that um, 
their quarterback situation just has never been in great, never been a great spot for them. Short of the one season they had Russell Wilson, and that was a difference making year for them. I think they have a defense that is good enough, even if it's ugly wins. I think they can get through Iowa this weekend, get through Michigan next weekend, get through Minnesota at the end, so that they can make it twelve and zero. And then can they beat a any combination of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State? I don't know who's going to win the East. Can they get through right. all that? Can they go 13-0? Yes, I think they can. Um, that's more than possible. If they do that, will they be in the uh, playoff? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that 13-0 Wisconsin really? team is in the playoff. That That's not in question to me. The question then goes back to your original one, Dave. Can they do anything if they get into the playoffs? And the last two years of Big Ten schools, Ohio State and Michigan State, being in the playoffs have been – you know, we Nebraska scored as many points in the playoffs the last two years as as those two have. So, you know, can sure. can Wisconsin so, do something more Boomer, than that? Yeah, Boomer, could you have me do some quick research? When's the last time Wisconsin has gone undefeated? Okay. If ever, yeah, it might be a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting point, Honk, in the, in the sense that the last three of the last four games here coming up for Wisconsin does work in their favor a little bit, especially with Iowa uh, with that victory last week. Uh, so is Iowa ranked this week? Is that right? Yeah, they, really they got like 25th, I think, 25th or 24th, something right. like so, that. So, you know, if Iowa could finish 8-4 and four or whatever and, and you know, they, they've got a, a, a couple of good wins there under their belt, uh, that's a better win for Wisconsin and, and – Iowa being the second place team in the Big Ten West, then you have Michigan, who is now kind of back in it in some ways in the in the Big Ten East at seven and two, and and not as far removed as Penn State and Ohio State. Um, and then if they could go beat an Ohio State in the title game, that'd be three good wins. But you're, you're right, Honky. It doesn't. I mean, you'll guarantee it. I I won't because uh, that's. I mean, you know. Someone like Clemson has six or seven top twenty-five wins compared to Wisconsin's maybe three, and uh, they have one loss, which you could chalk up to having their starting quarterback being injured in, and all these different things, right? I mean, I, it's possible that Wisconsin doesn't get in. I do. I think that would be fair to undefeated Big Ten champ. No, but it, it's out there. I mean, the odds are, are, are it's possible. All right, last time uh, Wisconsin's gone undefeated, 1912, so it's been a while. So they're due. Yeah, they're, wow. they are due. They did go 12-1. and one. Uh, Whoa, shoot, when was that? Uh, Bielema was there. I know they went, yeah, 2006, his first season. They 12-1. and one. He had an 11-2 and two and 11-3 and three season. Alvarez had a couple of one, you know, one-loss seasons. But, yeah, it's been, yeah. Pre pre war era and by pre war I mean the first World War so it's it's been a long time for Wisconsin so it's when Camp Randall wasn't that far removed from actually being yeah it really was a Camp Randall then yes that's exactly it yeah Yeah. I I I do think to your point there Dave about the end of the season at least Wisconsin is ranked number eight as an undefeated team right now so that is behind a number of other schools but between TCU and Oklahoma playing this week between Georgia and and Alabama playing, and a number of teams are going to be playing each other before the season's done. There's enough movement that can happen in front of them, plus the best of Wisconsin's schedule is to come. I mean, between Iowa and Michigan and then whatever they would play in a title game. Point is, they have no room for error. They can't lose one, but they are literally the the final 
pick <laughs> the final option for the Big Ten. If, if they don't make it, it's, it does feel like it's Wisconsin or bust for the entire conference. Yeah, it really does. You know, I mean, it, it is, it's not as, as chaotic as what 2007 was, where a two-loss LSU who had uh, at least one or two questionable losses there made it in. But, uh, you know, there's uh, a, a pretty crazy uh, scenarios out there with two-loss teams, not only from the Big Ten, but others could potentially make it in. And uh, there's some interesting games that we'll be breaking down here this week. We'll have some big impact on that. Uh Honky, you know, nothing in the Big Ten we, we had at the beginning of this uh, this fine season was a fantasy draft, and we haven't really checked in too much on that. Do you have some stats on how we're doing on that? Yeah, this is kind of a good opportunity here to, to follow up on it. Uh, we, we didn't do any kind of trades or anything along the, along the way. Uh, I wish so, we did at this point. <laughs> yeah, this is just we're just sticking with the four people that the four uh, places that we took. We took a QB, a running back, a wide receiver slash tight end. And we said defense slash special teams, but that's way too much work to try to keep up with right now. So we're just going to say where you finish right now, where's your defense nationally ranked right now. Um, so Boomer had uh, Trace McSorley at Penn State. He had Justin Jackson at Northwestern. He had Nick Westbrook at Indiana. Yeah, who, who got hurt in the very first play. So that's about the first play of the season. So that's <laughs> very first play. That should have been a bad so, omen no for stats. how this entire football season was going to go for all of us. But uh, yeah, uh, and full steam. Andy had Andy had Wisconsin for the defense. Uh, Dave, you had J.T. Barrett uh, for quarterback. You had Mike Weber for your running back. Stanley Morgan's yeah, your wide receiver, and then Ohio State's your your defense. Uh, Honky, I had uh, uh, Clayton Thorson for my quarterback. I had Saquon Barkley for running back. Troy Fumagalli is my wide receiver tight end, and, and I took Nebraska for defense. And last but not least, Matt. How's that working out for you, buddy? Uh, there's about 72 other teams I could have taken in front of this and been okay right now. But um, And then Mac has Tanner Lee for quarterback. Rodney Smith uh, from Minnesota is his running back. Paris Campbell from Ohio State's his wide receiver, and he has Penn State for the defense. Um, just a, a quick overview of stats here. But who's winning? It. I would say if I had to to break down, like I have the best running back with Saquon Barkley. He has the best stats right now with with nine rushing touchdowns and and three receiving touchdowns, eight hundred sixty nine uh, rushing yards, five hundred four pass receiving yards. Um, Barrett and McSorley. Barrett's probably doing a little bit better at QB. Barrett is uh, he is uh, has twenty three hundred sixty three passing yards, twenty eight touchdowns, five interceptions. He has a one hundred sixty eight. Four of those came last yeah. week. Yeah, isn't that amazing what Iowa did? Four of their five interceptions all came, <laughs> came in one game. But he has a one hundred sixty eight point one rating. He's also rushed for five touchdowns on five hundred twenty eight yards. McSorley. Um, has 2,452 yards. He has 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He has a 149.6 rating. He's also rushed for eight touchdowns on 305 yards. So kind of between right. those those two. My quarterback is by far the worst, Thorson, his, his stats. He has, gosh, he has 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. My guy. And then um, Mac has Tanner Lee, and Lee has thrown 17 TDs, 13 INTs. Wide receiver one. So let's uh... – and now just say defense here. Wisconsin's number five. That's who that's who Boomer has. They, he, has he has the number five defense nationally. And then Ohio State and Penn State are twentieth and twenty fifth. So I don't know who's winning, but that just kinda is a 
overview. Let me ask it a different way then, Honk, uh, because I think when we did this, I mean, the idea was it's like this sh- should highlight the you know top three or four performers in you know some key positions, obviously across the conference. Mm-hmm. So, which one of these uh, these players are going to be all Big Ten at the end of the year? Well, my receiver's Ooh, dead, nice. so clearly not him. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, boy. That's a. I don't know if we have a wide receiver on this list that's going to be all Big Ten. Uh, Stanley Morgan won't won't get there. I and, and Paris Campbell has twenty eight catches for three hundred ninety nine yards and two TDs. I'm I'm doubting that gets him there right now. I, I don't have a list no. in front of me of the other ones. You know, Westbrook obviously, as Boomer said, is hurt, and I've got Fumagalli, who I don't know that he would even be. His stats right now, he has 401 yards with three TDs. That might get him – they'll get him somewhere tight in the end, yeah, top maybe. three. I don't know if that's top top, top tight end. Um, Quarterback-wise, it's interesting. Probably Barrett probably has those stats here. McSorley's right up there too, yeah. but probably Barrett would get it. Um, yeah. But defensively, I would just say boomers right now. Maybe this is schedule included. But right, right now, Wisconsin's number five nationally – at 267 yards per game, and that's quite a bit ahead of the next one, which is Ohio State. They're giving up 323 yards per game, almost almost 70 more. Yeah, they're a top 20 defense, which yeah. is but it's a big difference between top five and top 20, so I hear you. Yep. All right, all right, good stuff, guys, good stuff. All right, well, let's uh, take a break, and we'll be back with our games of the week. The Pod Predictions. And uh, before we dive into our games of the week, we will be – do our playoff predictions, picking the top four teams that will make the college football playoff based off of what we've seen so far. Uh, let's see. I'll start with Honky. Who are your top four, buddy? All right. My number one is Alabama. Number two is Georgia. Number three is Notre Dame. And number four is Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, backing up your Wisconsin in the playoff uh, hype. All right. Boomer. Let's see, maximizing the bleakness of the season. So we're going to go with uh, Alabama, Georgia, Miami, and let's go with Wisconsin. I'll sneak in there. Really? Wow. All right. Mac? I'm going to go with Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, then Clemson. All right. I'll be pretty consistent on this. Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, I'll go Oklahoma. Um, I think by them women bedlam, I think they're in a pretty good spot. I do think that there's some games this week that could shake this up. Um, so I would not be surprised if next week we have some uh, a different team or two in there. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, top tens of the games of the week. Uh, before we do that, Boomer, what, what was our records last week? Well, well, uh, don't have it quite handy, Dave. Uh, did you do well? I think. I if, think uh, I went ten and two. Yeah, something like Hockey, that. I believe you won a Wyoming pick, so there's there's yeah. that. The Cowboys yeah, came so through for me. They came through for you quite nicely. Pick. So I'm still comfortably big, in last. Big, big props to you there. Yeah. I, so you I think that. I now have about a 14, 15 game lead over Hockey. Actually, just trying to get want I'm, you to be a little cocky here, Dave. I'm feeling secure about that at this present moment. Yeah, Dave, you're 69 and 34. I'm in second place, 66 to 37. Mac at 64, 39, and Honky uh, 55 to 48. So, 55 to 48. Wow. All right, all right, all right. Well, let's uh, see if Honky can gain some gain some traction this week and start his his comeback. Let's uh, start with a Friday night matchup out in Pac-12 land. 
We have Washington getting their first real test of the season, uh, heading to the farm to take on Stanford. Uh, Boomer, who do you have in this? Washington. Honky. Honky is thinking. Oh, heard. Sorry, yeah. Stanford. He's taking Stanford, all right. Mac? I'm going Washington. Going Washington. I, um, I've been disappointed with Stanford. Uh, I'm going to continue to be disappointed with Stanford. I'm taking Washington as well. All right. Uh, let's uh, head right into uh, Big Ten land. Let's do Michigan State. Ranked 13th in the country, coming off their big win over Penn State. Uh, heading into Columbus to take on the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Ohio State's favored by like 15 points in this game. Mac, who do you have? Ohio State. Honky? Ohio State. Boomer. Buckeyes. I'll make that four for four. Just don't see Sparty doing that. All right. Uh... Okie State heads to Ames. Can Iowa State knock off another uh, ranked team? This is interesting. Um, Mac, let's start with you. Well, I jumped on the... No, I'm sorry. We agreed not to do that. I'm going to go with... Oh, sorry. He's thinking. Boy, which game was this? Okay, I'm going to go with Boomer. Okay, State, Boomer, Iowa State. Can, Boomer, can you uh, take this over so Mac can yeah, talk about yeah. this a little bit more? <laughs> Oklahoma State, yeah. Okie State will win this. All right, Okie State going to Ames. Honky, you had a lot of good times in Ames in your college career. Uh, taking Iowa State or taking the, the Pokes? What I'm going to do here is I'm going to take Oklahoma State, but instead of the lock of the week, I'm going to institute uh, the once-a-year a octa pick, which if I get this, I get eight <laughs> I get eight points. <laughs> or eight losses. So I'm going to do the, the octopic on this one. I'm going Oklahoma State over Iowa State. Uh, and I'm the only one allowed to do that. What right. happens if you lose the octopic? Uh, you lose eight points. Yeah, is that how, eight it, points? how that gotcha, works, okay, Boomer? I got it. It's the a high-risk, high-reward one. So It's like shooting the moon in pitch. Yeah, yeah I see. Right. Okay. All right, Mac. Now are you prepared? I'm going to Oki take... State on that. Going Oki State. All right. You know, I'm kind of tempted to, to take Iowa State, uh, but I, I think they've had a, a great run there with the TCU and Oklahoma games. But I'm going to take Oklahoma State as well. I, I think that offense is going to be too much for Iowa State to, to hold back. All right, here's a game that I think could be interesting. Georgia versus Auburn. Georgia, number one in the, in the committee's uh, eyes. They're going to Auburn, though. Um, can always be a difficult spot. Uh, Honky, who do you have here? I'm going with Auburn. All right. Mac? I am going with Georgia. And Boomer. Georgia. Georgia. Well, it's two and a half for the dogs. I do think Auburn could give them some trouble. I, I'm, I'm going to take Auburn in this one. I'll take a flyer. Yeah. This is the one I feel like the SEC is going to stumble on here in their dreams of a two-team uh, playoff gets it's busted. All right, uh, Iowa, Wisconsin. Honky, you love Iowa. You love me. 
Go ahead, Hunk. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm having trouble hearing you a couple times here, Dave. That's. Uh, sure, anyways, man. I'm going to go uh, with Wisconsin. All right. Mac? I'm going to go with Iowa. Wow. All right. Another upset. Boomer? Wisconsin. I'm taking whiskey as well. All right. Makeup uh, game. Back to SEC land. <laughs> Alabama heading to Stark Vegas to take on Mississippi State. Uh, I'll go with Mac. Alabama pretty much always. Yeah, this is going to be an easy one. Boomer? Alabama. I'll make them a lock of the week because it's easy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about locks. Yeah, I kind of did too. And this yeah, yeah. Lap, I'm going to have to so, retroactively yeah. go back on this one. Honky? I should have made this my octa pick, but I'm going to stick with Alabama. <laughs> well, this would, this would only have been a septa pick because it was uh, Alabama. So. Oh, that's true. I'm going to put Georgia as my that. lock of the week. Yeah. All right, Max is taking Georgia for his lock. Okay. Ooh, bold. Right. I'll also take Alabama. Uh, feeling good about that one. All right, uh, TCU heading to Oklahoma. Mm. Honky? Uh, boy, I've got... TCU playing for the the conference title. I feel like I should. Ah, no, I'm going with Oklahoma. Boomer. Sooners. Mac. TCU. Ooh. Really interesting. I'm taking Oklahoma, and that'll be my lock of the week. I'm feeling good that Oklahoma is going to run the table Double now. Big makeup week. Big <laughs> All right, we've got uh, Catholics versus convicts going on for the first time in like a decade. Notre Dame uh, heading down to Miami. Uh, should be interesting under the lights there. Uh, Honky, who do you have? Boy, I don't know what it is about Miami. I've seen them play enough times this, this year, but I just, I'm not sold on them yet. And I've seen Notre Dame play some really good ball. I think Notre Dame goes down there, wins it, and I. I'm going to even say they win maybe by double digits. All right. Boomer? Just maximizing misery of this season. Let's say Miami wins. And Mac? Notre Dame. I'm taking the Fighting Irish as well. We'll see on that one. All right. Uh, there's a big rivalry game in the uh, American Athletic Conference. Uh, UConn versus UCF. I think it was known as the uh, the Conflict Cup or something like that. Is that right, Boomer? The Civil Conflict, yes. The Civil Conflict. Yeah, right. Diaco tried to get this off the ground, and uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. didn't quite come together. Well, uh, I guess UCF uh, will just take pride in winning the game like they did last year. Uh, Honky, who do you have in this game? I have UCF and by several, several touchdowns. Yeah, this should be a blowout. Uh, Honky? Or uh, Boomer, sorry. UCF. Mac? I'll take the Knights. I'll take that four for four. All right. And all right, guys, let's uh, let's do uh, Nebraska-Minnesota. Uh, Boomer, why don't you lead off with this one? What's your breakdown? Yeah. Man, this is another just ugly mid-range Big Ten team game. You know, struggling with the numbers, no, neither team stands out doing anything particularly well. I think this game comes down to you know weather. Yeah, if it's snowing there, it might be cold. It's my first time we played in that all year, and which team actually has any interest in being there for an 11 a.m. game in Minnesota? 
True. Yeah. All the well, grain go. belts go in the world aren't going to make you warm enough. Nebraska 21. Say that again, Boomer. Gophers 24, Nebraska 21. All right. I'm Mac? disappointed we're not bringing the broken chair home. I hear you. Yeah, I'm going to go with... Um, I, I think we'll continue the struggle trying to find the identity in offense. I think defense will struggle to stop running, or stop them running the ball. So the game will probably grind out to some kind of ugly version of them higher 20s, us lower 20s. It doesn't really matter, the score. <laughs> uh, all right, hockey? Well, it's a matchup of two, four, and five teams. Uh, uh, the weather, I think, is going to play a role in this, and, and I think we're going to have a lot of trouble throwing the ball in it. But, you know, I picked Nebraska to lose the last couple weeks. I uh, got it wrong with Purdue got it right with Northwestern I feel good about this week I don't know what it is I feel good that we're just better than Minnesota we I guess we played okay up there uh two years ago with with Riley uh we're gonna come back with that broken chair we're gonna win three to two (laughs) three to two all right all right yeah I've kind of been the same boat you are hunk I um don't know why I feel good about this game I shouldn't but it feels like to me that Minnesota is the weakest of these opponents that we're playing, and I feel like we're just going to get at least a fifth victory, and this is the most likely one we have left, that's for certain. So I'll take uh, Nebraska uh, 28, Minnesota 21. All right, guys, uh, games of the week. Let's wrap this up with some parting shots. Honky? Well, I got a couple here uh, this week, and and one of them is a – a quote from Bill Moose uh, saying, we don't fly over good talent to find good talent. And I thought that was a, a very good telling uh, statement of what he's looking for going forward with the, the 500-mile radius and recruiting kids here. Uh, speaking of here, uh, we're going to be playing Iowa in a few weeks. And there is some concern over the stadium turning gold on Black Friday. And so something out there, Redcasters that have uh, that have tickets or Redcasters that are looking for tickets, try to – you know, hold on to your tickets. Go to the game. If you're selling them, try to sell them to Nebraska fans. But uh, let's not have one of those uh, Notre Dame kind of moments where where the stadium looks uh, the wrong color. And then, last but not least, it's a little overblown thing, but uh, it was just kind of funny to see Indomik and Sue on the uh, the opening credits of Sunday Night Football, and he he didn't say Nebraska. He said his high school, and and the immediately on Twitter, everything went nuts and. I think, Dave, you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's like he's not the first person to do that. Guys have mentioned their grade schools before, but but uh, yeah. people went a little nuts here. So, Bill Moose, if you don't have enough on your plate, uh, try to talk with Ndamukong and Sue when you get a chance and, and uh, you know, just make sure everything's okay. All right, good stuff. Yeah, you are selling your tickets for Black Friday. Just ask for identification. Get some, like, Nebraska ID or something, right, before you sell them. So, uh, you know, think about it. All right, uh, Boomer. Uh, first thing, just after following uh, Bill Moose in the stadium, you did drop a stack of Mike Leach business cards, so if you'd like those back, I'll uh, happily uh, <laughs> ship those to you. And uh, just hope the Huskers prove me wrong and bring the uh, $5 bits of broken chair back home. Let's do That's this. That's right. I'll have a big rally at the uh, PBA with it, I'm sure. Mac? Um, Just in case anyone was wondering out there, the – Rims and St. Mary Hawks take on their playoff <laughs> opponent at 10 a.m., I believe, 10 or 11 a.m. at the UNI Dome there in Cedar Falls. Or, uh, yeah, I think Cedar Falls. Is that for the championship? The dome? 
they're in the dome. They play the semifinals in the dome, and then if they win, one more game. In the dome See, again. In the dome again. Scott wow. Scott Frost got to start coaching up there at U and I. Ryan's Ryan's met Scott Frost. Has a picture of him shaking hands. Uh, Frost actually spoke out at uh, their uh, coaches clinic. Uh, that you and I just recently, real recently, so so many connections to Scott Frost. You know, it's like he's family yeah. practically. <laughs> That's almost like he's hmm. my third cousin. <laughs> is he? That's really? legit. Oh, well. yeah, he really is. So, Dave, you're our inside source. What have you? Oh, heard? yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> we also have a good friend. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I won't even go there. But anyway, lots of connections to Scott Frost, no doubt about it. All right, guys, uh, let's call that a go big red cast. Beat Minnesota. Uh, Peace out. GBR. Exactly.